Shalom, and thank you for listening to the weekly teaching from Nachamu Ami. It's our honor that you've chosen to participate virtually, and we hope that this lesson will be an inspiration in your daily walk. Don't miss a single teaching. Be sure to download the Nachamu Ami app by visiting our website at www.makeandmessianic.com and clicking the Download the App button in the top left corner. Enjoy the message. It was an interesting moment with Leland in here this morning because when we were closing the ark, Dave and Melanie's grandson, when we were, when we were finishing service this morning, or the prayers, he wandered up here with Dave, and the ark was open and the Torah scrolls, and we were all facing them and singing, singing, and he was just looking with absolute and total awe and fascination in, like he was, like he was seeing a glimpse of heaven inside, like he just didn't really know. He just knows that what's in there is very special. And wouldn't it be incredible if the whole world had the sense of awe for God's word that that little boy demonstrated as he looked? And so hopefully, I was thinking about that when I was sending them out. Hopefully that's we're contributing to that. But speaking of peace, speaking of seeing a, a piece of heaven. You know that? That's enough to get you kicked out of some places by playing Led Zeppelin in holy space. But we are learning about the stairway to heaven today. But actually, I'm going to add to that. The stairway to heaven and the faith of God. And you heard me. The faith of God, not, not our faith in God, not the faithfulness of God, the faith of God. And one might ask, why in the world would God need faith? That's not a thing he needs. <clears throat> After all, faith, as the book of Hebrews defines it, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. How could God possibly need that. He sees all, he knows all. But there is a beautiful and powerful lesson embedded in that definition and that question of how could God have faith? And that's what I want to look at today. But first, speaking of faith, it's always for me such a huge faith builder when I start out in a direction of teaching and the next week it kind of connects and then the following week it just all comes together and I realized that what I started with a month and a half ago was for today, to end today with something incredibly powerful. And these are, not, these are not what I would describe as teaching lessons. These are not like hardcore learning, oh my gosh, I need to really take notes and process this and go home and be a Berean and look at all of it. This is about living life. And those are messages that you need to hear sometimes too because I know I do. I know I do and I think I'm kind of like you. So Three weeks ago, we looked at Abraham and we talked about navigating Nisayon. We talked about how do we endure the, the testing. And we talked about Abraham and how, of course, those tests are for our own good. Last week, we looked at Isaac, but really the, the, the binding of Isaac and seeing that through Sarah's eyes. And we talked about the Midrash with Hasatan coming and tempting her. And we talked about the voices that we choose to listen to and how important it is that we choose the right one, not just to hear, but to listen to. And so today, from Abraham, Isaac, who might you guess would come next? 
Yaakov, of course, Jacob's journey from Beersheba and a lesson at the ladder are going to kind of put the cherry on top of this, this triple scoop Sunday of how we're going, going to navigate this life and be happy doing it. And the last piece is called Who You Say I Am. Because it's more than just faith through trials and it's more than just listening and and choosing what we hear. Very importantly, once we hear it, the final element is the importance of believing what you hear. Believing it. And so we start with the life of Jacob, and the Parsha is called Vayetze. It's the Torah portion, Vayetze Yaakov. It says, Jacob left. He went out. He left Beersheba and went toward Haran, and he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in the place to sleep. That's kind of a strange thing. He took one of the stones and laid it under his head and laid down to go to sleep. And so, what was he leaving? What, what was he leaving? It's a question. Well, he was headed to Laban's house, but he was leaving. He was leaving everything. He was leaving his home. He was leaving his family. He was leaving his future. He was leaving the, the blessing that he had just received. He was going out at the, at the behest of his mother, He was headed to his brother-in-law's, somewhere away from his house. And he was running, we might say, and we definitely might say that this is the beginning of Jacob's difficult life. Did Jacob have an easy life? The sages suggest that Jacob's life was much more difficult than the other two patriarchs. Abraham was tested, Isaac was tested, but Jacob lived a life full of wrestling. He was wrestling. He wrestled in the womb. He wrestled for the birthright. He wrestled for for the blessing from Isaac. And in the days and years ahead, he would wrestle with Laban He would ultimately wrestle with the angel of God. It even says, I think it's in Genesis 30, it says when when Rachel conceives a son, it says that I wrestled with my sister and have prevailed. Even his wives wrestled. Everything for Jacob. His whole life was filled with wrestling or we might say struggle. And the question is, how was he able to survive it? Because a lot of difficult things. How did he keep on trucking? How, did he, how do you muster the strength to go from one match to the next? How do you do that? I'm going to suggest that beyond the first two lessons we've talked about, which is navigating our difficulties and our testing and hearing the proper voice, I'm going to suggest that, that we, Jacob knew who God said he was. And he believed it. And that's the key to all of it. 
But I will suggest to you also that it did not start that way. And here we find ourselves at the ladder with Jacob. And I want to I want to I want to just ask this question. I wonder how Jacob was feeling as he laid his head down on that rock. Do you think that he felt proud, victorious, joyful? You think he really felt good about what had happened and what he was leaving behind? Do you think he had those feelings of, of great expectation and anticipation and he was just jumping for joy? I don't think so. I really don't. We talked about what he was leaving, but how was he leaving? I think he was leaving probably not very happy. My thoughts, if I put myself in Jacob's shoes, are more like, God, what have I done? Where am I going? I mean, everything I have is, is behind me, my family, my future. What now, God? I've made this horrendous mistake. Yes, my mom told me to do it, but I mean, I did it, and I really did it. And here I am. I wonder if God even cares. Does he even hear my voice? Does he see me? And you know what? I would gather up some, some, some leaves or some, something and put my head down on it and sleep, but I don't even feel like I deserve that. So I'm going to grab a stinking rock and lay my head on it, try to sleep, and maybe I'll die because I'm alone. Man, that's a, lot of, that's a lot of speculation, Rabbi. I don't find that in the text, maybe, but there's some common sense in there. I like common sense. It's helpful in this life. <laughs> Have you ever been in a place like that? Have you ever done something bad? Have you ever made a mistake? Have you ever said something, done something you regret? You can't take it back. And even if you can work to justify it, you know it's bad. And you know it's not easily redeemable. And it's certainly from where you sit, you see behind you and you see ahead and you realize, man, this probably can only get worse because of what I've done. I have been there. I have been there. Or maybe this is you. It's, it's a pattern in your life where you, 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 you have fallen or you made a mistake and, and you, you, want to, you, you want to turn and you say, God, I'm not going to do that again. I promise you have my word. I'm, we're good to go. And the next thing, <laughs> fail, bomb. And you say, how can I possibly go before God and once again say, sorry. I've been there too. That place might be worse. You try and you try and you promise and God, I'm going to do better, but you fail again and you wonder, can God still really be with me? Can he love me? Can he walk with me? Will he speak to me? Because goodness knows, I do not feel him now. And I think Jacob might have 
had some moments like that, if not a lot of moments at this particular time. So back to Jacob. Remember his dad. Remember how his dad labeled him? His dad, in 28.35, he said, or 27, I think he said, talking to Esau, your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. That's his dad. Anyone's dad ever labeled them with something that they couldn't shake off? When your dad says something bad about you, it doesn't feel good. And he called him a liar. He said, your brother's a, a cheat. He, he stole it from you. And then big brother enters the scene, follows that up by saying, is he not rightfully named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times, first the birthright and now the blessing. He's a, he's a, he's a liar. He's a cheater. That's Jacob's family. His mom was on his side. You can always count on your mom. But that's what he was taking out of there. And isn't it true that we especially are susceptible to receive and have those things imprint us when we are at our lowest? When someone who wants to hurt you finds you at your lowest and casts a label upon you, it hurts worse than it normally would. And for Jacob, I imagine those words stuck. So he says, I'm nothing. I have nothing. I'm afraid and I'm alone. So he lays his head on the rock. And then it happens. And I love it when it happens. And God speaks. And he says some very powerful things. And an interesting conversation, you see, because if Jacob is those things, if Jacob is the deceiver, if Jacob is a liar, if Jacob is a cheat, if Jacob is a despicable human being with no past, present, or future, God missed that memo. Because what God says is, and he dreamed... And behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth and on the top, of, the top of it reached to heaven and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it and behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And listen to this, behold, I am with you. And will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. But it's Jacob's response that brings the message for today. It's his response that speaks so loudly to all of us who've ever felt that horrible feeling of being separated or alone or living with great regret and being wondering, fallen so low, wondering if we can get up, feeling a failure. Genesis 28, 16, Jacob says, surely, he awoke from his dream and he says, surely the Lord is in this 
place and I did not know it. Oh, man. He heard God. He encountered God. And I believe his response is coming from this emotional place. God is with me? How? You stayed? You're still walking with me. How? After the things and how and what? How can it be? And here is where we encounter the faith of God. Not faithfulness, not faith in, not us. Him, faith of God. Surely God was here. And I did not know. I didn't know. I assumed he left, but it turns out God still believes in me. God still has faith in me. And through this very difficult turn of events, he's going to bring me to something because I am not what they say I am. I am what you say I am. I am instead the one who will not be left. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. I am, even in my imperfections, created for something which God made me for and he believes in me to do it. And no, I don't take every single message I have from Jonathan Sachs, but I read his quotes every week and there is always something applicable to what I'm going to talk about. And he says this, and just listen to this. Suddenly, with a certainty that is unmistakable, we know that we are not alone. That God is there and has been all along, but that we were too preoccupied by our own concerns to notice him. That is how Jacob found God. Not by his own efforts, not like Abraham, not through continuous dialogue like Isaac, but in the midst of fear and isolation, Jacob in flight, he trips and falls and finds he has fallen into the waiting arms of God. Ah, oh, I love that. He trips and falls into the waiting arms of God. No one who has had this experience ever forgets it. Now I know that you were with me all the time, but I was looking elsewhere. Have you ever done it? Yes, you've done it. The faith of God, because he made us for a purpose and he will help you Realize it when we hiccup, when we fail, when we fall. Imagine if your parents, imagine if your kids, they, they fail and fall and that's it. You walk away, put your head on a rock and shut up, I'm done with you. Man, I wouldn't be here. I would not be here. My parents, mostly my mom, really? No. My parents had faith but nothing compared to the faith that God has in us. In 
in the encountering, we realize that despite what we think, he is still with us. And this is a Sachs quote that I have marked in my mind forever from years ago. The remarkable thing is not that we have faith in God, but that he has faith in us. Well, he has faith in me only through Jesus. No, no, that's, that's something else. That's something else entirely. He has faith in you. He created you to do something. And Jacob says, well, you know, I wonder sometimes. I wonder if Jacob had not gotten this message that day, would he have been able to do it? Would he have been able to keep going? Would he have been able to wrestle? Would he have been able to survive all that life had for him if God had not chosen to drop this ladder from heaven, which if you really want to explore and read, there's wonderful, amazing commentaries about this, but one of the representations of the ladder is the prayers of God's people. But had God not chosen to give him that and communicate and say, I'm here, I got you, don't worry about it. Could he have made it? Jacob says this, Ma hamakom How awesome is this place? And he's talking about it literally in the sense of this is surely the abode of God, but there's a double meaning. How awesome is the place of being able to recognize and believe what God says about you and who God says you are instead of Jacob, I mean, instead of Isaac's condemnation, instead of Esau, instead of the world, to believe who God says you are. How awesome is that place in this life? Yes, manorah, how awesome and believing it. And Jacob held on to this, but you know what I love about Jacob? He's so human, so human, and so are you, and so am I. And so he says this after that awesome promise. Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which by the way was his pillow, this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. He takes the stone that his head was on and instead turns it into a memorial for what God did in that place. But I love the fact that he says, God, if you do your part, you can count on me. That's so us. Does God do his part? Always. Was it effortless for Jacob? Never. It never is. Hear me. It is never, ever, ever going to be easy to be a devoted disciple of Yeshua, a son or daughter of the Most High. It is not easy, but there is peace in believing that God says you are something amazing. That is so cheesy, Damien. It's real. And Jacob held on. Literally, next week in the portion we say he, he wouldn't let go, right? The angel, I'm not going to let go till you bless me. 
And the angel says, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. It was at the end of the struggle that Jacob got his new identity. That's a more appropriate picture sometimes of what we live through and how we live our lives. There are wrestling matches. There are difficulties. And sometimes that, that, that's, who, that's who God knew Jacob was. Jacob could have easily lost sight of it. But he heard God's voice and he believed. And all the more for us. All the more. Who does God say you are? I know who he says you are, and you know who he says you are. It's all over the Bible, but it's particularly in Romans where he says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is to condemn? As it is written, and it continues and says, as it is written, we're, for your sake we're being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No! In all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Oh, unreal, that gets overused. That is, that's so overrated. You can't build a message around that scripture, Damien. Well, maybe you're right, guess what? I can't tell you specifically what it is that God sees in you, what he's chosen you to do, what identity awaits you after the struggle, but all I can tell you is there is a God who has faith in you and he has empowered you, empowered you, put inside of you power to live out the life that he has called you to live. And he will not leave you. Now, this is a whole nother conversation than someone who's living in rebellious sin. That, I'm not talking to you. If that's you, let's meet after services. We'll have a different conversation. This is for disciples. This message just isn't about having made a terrible mistake either and being, being blessed to find that God is still with you. Sometimes it's just in the lonely places. Sometimes it's just we need to know this in the wilderness. Sometimes it's the I'm going to lay my head on a rock place that we just need to know this. That definition of faith, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. God has faith, but he always sees what we don't see. There's always hope for us who hold on, hold on like Jacob, hold on, hold on, hold on, and believe who he says you are in him. You see, Isaac and Esau and the world and especially you yourself will fill your head with doubt about what I'm telling you today. You know what? Ready for a hardcore truth? A lot of times you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and what you're telling yourself isn't the truth. There's this thing in Romans 12, you know, that says, let your mind be renewed. That's what this is about. Don't be conformed to whatever is out there and what people say or even what you tell yourself. Let God renew your mind.
testing. By testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Renew your mind. Who does God say you are? I happened upon a song, 94 million views on YouTube. I think it, I think it connects with people. Who does God say you are? I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I think you'll like the song. I'm going to have Darren play it. I think we should probably stand up and rock this thing. Who does God say you are? It's a great song, but we need to make it a way of life. Believe it. He believes in you. Believe in that. Shabbat Shalom. We hope you enjoyed the weekly teaching. We'd love to hear from you with a comment, a prayer request, or questions you might have. We believe the mission and message of Messianic Judaism is something the world needs now. If you enjoy these teachings, would you consider financially supporting the work of Nachamu Ami by visiting our website at www.makinmessianic.com and clicking the Give Online button in the upper right corner. Thank you again for listening.